0: to the PAXX podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 34 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing?
1: Oh, very well, Mary. We're, we're each home from some exciting adventures. In my case, it was Aviation Geek Fest in Seattle, and my face still hurts from smiling so much.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad you had a great time, Max. I really enjoyed my experience last year, and the whole airline reporter team, they just do such a beautiful job. Yes. Um, Aircraft Interiors Expo is where I uh, was at this uh, this month. Um, so we've got so much to discuss, and also a great, uh, a great interview coming up here. But before we get started... We'd like to thank eGate Solutions for sponsoring this week's podcast. We all want happy passengers. They buy more, and they're likely to be more loyal to your airline. But delivering a positive passenger experience is hard when you're relying on legacy systems and manual processes. eGate Solutions provides the technology behind onboard services, connecting and automating every step of an airline's operations from the warehouse to the passenger. With eGate, you can spend less time and money on the process and more on optimizing the passenger experience, which really is what we are all in the business of delivering. Visit eGate Solutions online at www.egate-solutions.com. Or email them at info at egate-solutions to learn more. Now it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Philip Robinson is the founder of AeroPatent, whose mandate is to reveal exciting, intriguing, and potentially important aerospace technology that is so often hidden behind misleading patent titles and exhaustive patent descriptions. Welcome to the show, Philip. Patent is on fire these days. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, you said it. Hey, uh, hi, Mary. Hi, Max. Uh, It's a
1: real pleasure to be with you. Hi, Philip. Uh, We're great fans of yours over at Airplane Geeks Podcast, and we talk about Mm -hmm. some of your discoveries uh, quite often. So it's great to be speaking with you. But why don't we get started? Let's take a look at some of the PAXX news stories that are making headlines. Well, first, we'll start with Aero Patent And Philip, in particular, uh, you've been a focus of a number of magazine profiles. Philip, your patent discoveries have inspired many news stories about PAXX technologies and other aviation innovations. And companies want to protect their IP, and they mm. do that with patents. So... Philip you're driving the news tell us about Aeropatent <laughs> when did you get started what was your inspiration and how has that product evolved well you know aeropatent
2: is is effectively it's quite a, a, a relatively new startup company uh, we passed our second birthday this February um, and as you said you know in its simplest form uh, we're a source of competitive intelligence for what uh, quite a wide range of aerospace professionals so um, people use our system um, from researchers, designers. We've got engineers, people involved in in business development, uh, some academics, uh, students, and and yourselves, journalists. Um, basically, to to keep a close eye on on competitor research and development uh, by monitoring newly published patent applications, um, of which, as you'll know, you'll see some of the uh, the the patents on the Twitter feed and our latest news on the website. You know, there's, there, there's several hundred a month um, being published across quite a broad range of aerospace technology sectors. Um, but hey, I, I guess for some people listening, they may not be so familiar with patents, so perhaps I could just take a brief moment to explain a bit more about patents and, and how the system works. Sure, um, so, uh, so basically, you know, where, where you've got a company like an Airbus or a, a Boeing developing uh, new technology, uh, perhaps in the, the passenger experience uh, um, context, it could be, let's say, a, a, pre, a premium cabin uh, seating module, uh, something to do with LED lighting or perhaps an, an overhead bin concept. Well, they often will go ahead and file a patent application for that with the likes of the US Patent and Trademark Office, um, or the European Patent Office, or within another country or countries, um, as a means to prevent others from, from copying their ideas, um, effectively to, to gain a monopoly on it. Um, but once they've filed that, it will remain on file for typically 18 months, and then those individual patent offices will will often publish those patent applications. So, So they become publicly available, um, giving us uh, an an intriguing glimpse into the research and development activity of, you know, the world's leading aerospace companies. And as I said a moment ago, you know, there's hundreds of these things publishing every month across technology sectors from gas turbine engine systems, um, flight deck and, and avionics systems through the passenger experience and manufacturing processes. Um, It's not to say that that all of these will be commercialised and and make it into the air but, you know, they do offer a a practical way to monitor the likes of what's going on behind closed doors at, you know, Airbus and Boeing and uh, BE Aerospace and Zodiac, all of which you will have seen these, the the patents that we roll out across our Twitter feed. Um, So to answer your question, Max, about the inspiration for error patent, well, you know, the the, the problem with these is that it can be real difficult and time-consuming to actually find the patents. And then also to, to figure out what uh, what is often quite, quite cool and exciting technology hidden within them. Um, well, you don't have to be an expert, but it helps if you know what you're looking for and, and how to find it. Um, and then when you do find a patent, as, um, as Max, I know that you keep an eye on these things, when it looks relevant, it, they tend to be written in, in quite an awkward way, <laughs> often for very good legal reasons, by a patent attorney, which makes it you know, frustrating to figure out exactly what the invention or idea or concept behind the patent is so you know it 's generally quite a painful process and takes a lot of time and, and that 's the inspiration for Aeropatent. patent we, we basically we monitor these newly published patent applications and some granted patents um, we process them and to make them easy to find, read, and understand. And it's broken into two parts. So we've got the, the free part, so people can get free access to information on our website. We've got a latest news feature where at the rate of about one a day, we, we publish a newly, uh, newly released patent uh, uh, document. Um, we cherry pick. It's often the most newsworthy sort of thing. But it's really the tip of the iceberg because the several hundred other patents, they form part of our... Um, Aero Patent Pro service. So uh, we're capturing several hundred there, um, providing information in the form of updates and uh, aerospace alerts. So we're reviewing each patent manually. Um, we look for the core invention and the benefits behind it. Uh, we're translating those patents into layman's terms, the sort of thing that, you know, we understand. Um, create summaries and, and then arrange those into a, f- a friendly format and upload them to our database. And People can access those using a patent finder tool and interactive charts. And if they don't have time to log into the website, we do weekly email alerts as well. So, it's basically taking the, the pain and the hassle out of patents um, that uh, you know extend across multiple countries. We we look at the U.S. and and Europe, Japan, Korea, uh, Brazil, Canada. Um, we're monitoring uh, often up to a hundred aerospace companies. Um, across 20 technology sectors. Um, several of which uh, relate to the the
0: passenger experience. So, well, actually, let me jump in right there, yeah, uh, Philip, because um, that's how your uh, product came to my attention. Because you were rather diligent in the beginning. Before it all ramped up, you were you're squeezing out some um, tweets of some of the most choice aviation technology patents that you were finding and applications. And um, of course, you know, my little Paxx radar goes, doo, 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 there's a Paxx patent. Uh, <laughs> And, and myself, and I think uh, many other media titles as well, started recognizing that you were divulging some uh, really interesting information about technologies that may or may not make it to prime time, but certainly stuff that was giving people a lot to think about, and also some real insight into how these aircraft interiors, in entertainment and connectivity companies, um, and airframers, of course, um, are viewing potential opportunities for the cabin going forward. So, it was interesting because um, it all just took off. It all just kind of snowballed because i remember i it started with we would retweet some of your stuff and then I found myself with these really interesting patent applications writing about it and including uh, the fact that you guys had highlighted this. And I remember even one particularly, it was an Airbus, um, it was a, like an Airbus saddle seat sort of patent, I believe. You know what, you know, that you remember that whole cluster of, of um, really tight seating that Airbus <laughs> came, ideas that they came out with. And I remember, um, I remember do, building a story about around what the information you had divulged and then the next morning seeing a screen grab of the uh, image um, on that they had pulled, um, sorry, was it uh, Good Morning America or the Today Show or something that they had pulled from my article. And I thought, wow, this is really going kind of on fire, you know, and it's just been ever since. I mean, it seems like you guys are, your patent fines are in the news now on a weekly basis. It's wild.
2: Yeah. I I, I mean, as I said earlier, you know, what makes it onto the patent Twitter feed is it's really the most newsworthy stuff. Yeah. Um, So, you know, we'll we'll see uh, product technologies, sort of uh, step-by-step technologies and improvement over what's gone before. And then every so often, you know, sometimes people refer to them as wacky patent applications. But um, I think kind of I I like the kind of terms like pioneering or or radical because whilst (laughs) they might seem pretty funky. Um, you know, if if there's a change in, in the market or, or the type of products and aircraft that are flying, what might seem like a um, a more radical patent application at this stage could all of a sudden make a lot of commercial sense. So um, right. it's, it's fascinating to see, you know, what's coming through. And, and as you mentioned there, Airbus being one, there's, there's so much innovative work being done, particularly with the likes of um, Zodiac Aerospace, um, they they publish uh, well. Publish, uh, patents are published in their name weekly. Um, just to give you an idea, you know, on passenger cabin technologies alone, you know, there's over 150 patent applications that have published this year alone. Uh, about a third of that number um, relate to seating technologies. Um, but you know, in terms of the passenger experience, you you could look at you know air conditioning systems and lighting systems, emergency composites manufacturing there 's an awful lot going on and, and obviously within within that batch of patents, there are you know really quite newsworthy items. I think one of the other points I would mention here it's it 's frustrating in in one sense, and I think you discussed this with John in a, a previous podcast was this issue that the mainstream press will will typically um, lock onto these stories and, and then, for I'm sure very good reasons for them in terms of generating clickbait, mm-hmm. you know, refer to these technologies with the sort of words like, you know, terrifying or dramatic or, mm. you know, something that, that is, 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 is done to entice uh, readers online. Um, but, um, you know, behind these patents, there's, you know, really interesting stuff going on. Um, and um, it's nice to see it being reported in a, in a practical way rather than, than one that's designed to um, incur an emotional response for each
0: <laughs> Yes, I agree with you there, and we actually try to steer clear of that type of material on Runway Girl Network for those exact reasons.
1: Yeah, and the mainstream press isn't digging into the, the depths of the patent the way you are looking mm. for those hidden Technologies that maybe are really the the real purpose behind the the patent. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's talk about Boeing a little bit, though. Uh, obviously, we've seen over the years uh, many many patent applications related to the seven eight seven, as well as uh, other aircraft types. But now that the seven eight seven has been operating for uh, a number of years, do we still see seven eight seven patents coming through? And are there any, just in general, that you've found to be particularly interesting?
2: It's, it's difficult to tie it to a, a specific airframe because a lot of the technologies that sit behind patent applications will be generic, so they could be applicable to a seven three seven potentially as 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 much as a uh, as a wide body like the seven eight or indeed the triple seven. Um, so, uh, you know, Boeing this year, um, just across the technology sectors that we're monitoring, have um, we've seen over 250 patents published. Now, some of those, if you look at the images behind the patents, you'll see something that represents a 787. But as I said, the technology could be applicable to other other aircraft. Now, obviously, with the 787 in production... Um, we're starting to see patents published for next-generation products. So we're, we're thinking 777, 8, uh, 8 and 9. Um, you may have seen on the Twitter feed um, ideas relating to folding wingtip architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at the 787 specifically, um, the type of patents applications that are publishing now, that are most relevant to, to, to that platform would be in the area of manufacturing processes, ways in which behind closed doors in the factory they can um, increase output um, and reduce the cost of output um, and also general refinements. So in respect of the first there, in terms of manufacturing, um, you know, there's, uh, there's work being done by Boeing in the area of, uh, for example, nanotechnology Within, we're getting to the detailed stuff here, but it's within the actual fibre-reinforced um, uh, plastic material that makes up, you know, the fuselage of, of a seven eight seven. They're using nanotechnology to enhance the performance of that material. Um, there's patents relating to. Um, uh, for example, the 3D printing of parts. This, there was a real cool one recently on um, additive layer manufacturing, 3D printing, um, using levitation of workpieces. So there's a, a workpiece held in midair that's being worked on you know, in free space so it can be rotated and moved with multiple print heads again for the purpose of increasing production rates. Mm. Um, perhaps the most radical one um, on, on, on the horizon here would be... Uh, morphing composite structures so if you can imagine you've got the the ailerons which at the moment are actuated by a relatively complicated and hydraulic actuation system Mm -hmm. Um, in the future there's a a a batch of patent applications that that were filed and have now published from boeing for effectively if you think about like a uh, like your glasses where you've got metal with memory um, they've done work in effectively achi- uh, achieving a similar thing with composite structures. So instead of having all of the actuation system associated with conventional ailerons, um, effectively we're looking at composite aero structures that, that buckle in response to, for example, a, um, um, an electrical current being applied to it to move the control surface instead of needing all of this actuation system. So, so there's improvements in manufacturing, but then also general refinements. So um, we published one the other day on on a quiet windshield wiper system. So, I guess whilst it's uh, it's a Dreamliner for the people in the cabin, they're now looking at the pilots. So, they've uh, developed these windshield wipers with architecture that makes uh, which generates less turbulence. Um, there's uh, force-assisted overhead bins. I don't know whether you saw this one, Mary. Where uh, you know once that, that bin's loaded up, uh, Boeing have de- developed this neat system where there's a, a force feedback to help you close the the bin.
0: And that is so important, and that is one thing that flight attendants actually cite time and again um, in the comments section of Runway Girl. Whenever we write about these bins and these giant pivot bins, they say, you know, it's me that has to actually close that thing in the end, and and it's not always easy. So that yeah, that sounds like a really fantastic one. Um, It does. Um, But I just want to jump in here because our our Max flight got an opportunity to get inside the uh, Dreamliner gallery Ah, when he was visiting Boeing recently as part of the uh, Airplane uh, Geeks, uh, AvGeek Fest, rather. Um, Tell us all about that.
1: What a fascinating tour that was. There were really kind of two major takeaways uh, for me. One is that they talked about the strategies behind the design of the 787 and many of those were familiar with and they also talked about the objectives of the dreamliner gallery and almost in a very interesting way, how those two are intertwined, I found just just fascinating. But uh, they described the 787 design, the, the passenger experience, and how the spacing, the lighting, the windows, environmental controls, the consistent design theme uh, was used to generate a, an improved experience for the passengers. Mm. And the Dreamliner Gallery, it it continues those objectives in this, well, I guess, purpose-built environment where customers can come to configure their airplanes Mm -hmm. rather than selling an airplane and letting customers then have to work out the interior uh, components or configuration with suppliers around the world. It all happens in this one place, in Mm -hmm. in this one gallery each team, each airline team gets its own private conference room. Then other sections of the building are dedicated to the different components. So there's there's the labs, there's the coffee makers, the galleries, the crew quarters, uh, seats, uh, even emergency equipment like hooded masks and things and uh, IFE system. All of that is inside this facility and the airlines can see it all, do it all in, in one place. It, it's kind of like one-stop shopping, much closer than uh, airlines have been able to experience in the past.
0: Yeah, it is. It's remarkable, and um, and it evolves constantly too. Max, of course, because as new systems and seats uh, and galley equipment um, comes on the market, uh, then there's pressure by airlines on Boeing to get it into the seven eight seven catalog so that they have that as an option. So there's kind of a constant push and pull going on there to keep that catalog fresh uh, and to offer a level of customization for airlines um, that lets them differentiate but actually also keeps that, uh, you know, keeps that approach where things need to stay on time. It's a little bit more in the way of, you know, sticking closer to the catalog. So it's always interesting to see that push and pull. Uh, some airlines, of course, seven, seven, uh, some seven, eight, seven operators have uh, gone way outside the 787 catalog, and I guess if you have enough money, you can actually pull that off. And of course, I'm thinking Etihad Airways in particular, where you know they rewrote the catalog for their 787. <laughs> um, and you can do it if you got the if you got the moolah. But um, but generally, you're operating from what's on on offer there in in that gallery. Um, and it's it's interesting because of course the 787 is an absolutely stunning plane, and I I think very few would disagree with that. It's a stunning plane, and in its original. Uh, the original vision that Boeing had for it had the economy class section configured at eight abreast, and even seven abreast. They were suggesting would be very, very comfortable situations for passengers. And if airlines had adopted eight abreast in economy, then the the seven eight seven would truly be a dream. Mm. Because you know, because it, it you know the, the the reports that we hear back about the, the the mood lighting and the the sidewall and the way everything has been. Uh, You know, it feels so open in the 787. And, you know, all of the positive reports you get about the lack of jet lag um, after that flight and and just just the ability to fly in such a beautiful plane. And then yet it's tempered by the fact that all of these airlines, virtually all of them, bar one, um, have gone with this tighter nine abreast configuration that takes that seat width down to really snug. And it's unfortunate, you know, because then you see a lot of these kind of negative reports about the passengers experience on. On this absolutely fabulous plane, um, but you know, it, so be it. That is that's where it's at right now. Um, and in terms of in terms of the gallery, I mean, I, I just think it's wonderful that these these airlines go in, and they can kind of don't they have software as well where they kind of design the plane. You know, at the gallery, isn't there like a place where you the airline can go in and then slot everything into place the way they want it on 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 a giant screen? If I'm remembering correctly, did you see anything like that?
1: I didn't see that, but I asked a question uh, that's kind of related to that. So, uh, Philip, keep your eye out for uh, virtual reality <laughs> patents. I'd be curious because I asked if I asked Boeing if they're could be a future where the components selected by the airline could be assembled and examined in ah, VR. Okay. And uh, the, the response was kind of, well, you know, that might be a possibility. Uh, it's difficult because the the number of combinations is, of course, astronomical. And that becomes computationally right, difficult to render all right. of that. But, you know, there might be some technologies out there that would make it easy because that would be the perfect situation. You are able to see Obviously, uh, the physical the components, the seats, the labs, whatever. Uh, but being able to assemble all of that in some kind of a representation where you get to see the aircraft as a whole uh, could be very, very powerful. So, yeah, that was that pretty really, exciting. That
0: really could. Is Philip? Are you seeing anything in the way of aviation VR innovation just yet? Um, I know a lot of these companies are using VR at the uh, uh, the exhibitions to kind of show off their products, but
2: yeah. Um, So, I mean, in in respect of what you've just been talking about, the the closest one to that would be um, a patent application that I saw from Airbus right at the end of last year. Um, So they've developed effectively uh, something that gets towards what you're talking about. It's a a software tool um, for which the manufacturer and the customer can sit down and and configure aircraft cabin layouts, um, taking into account... Uh, specific demands and rules that are associated with um, sort of thinking about equipment like galleys, crew rest areas, passenger seats, and the legislation that defines where they need to be, and effectively what the flexibility they have. But the purpose overall being to deliver a, a, a fleet configuration um, uh, option system for the airline to to effectively reduce their operational and uh, manufacturing costs. So there's there's work being done on that in terms of virtual reality, obviously. Uh, you know, um, I know you've talked about this in the past in terms of, of headsets and, you know, immersive technology in that respect. And, you know, there's, there's now dozens of patents applications, mm. not so much from the leading aerospace companies, but from um, new startup firms um, operating in this area. Uh, so there's, there's stuff being published in, in that sector, too. Uh, it's, it's busy, a busy
1: space. Indeed. Well, Mary, we, uh, we can't leave without talking about the Aircraft Interiors Expo held earlier this month that you and the Runway Girl Network team attended in Hamburg. Did you, uh, Did you see anything revolutionary there on the show floor?
0: Do you know what? Um, I would have to say that this year was quite interesting insofar as what we are seeing now is more in the way of evolutionary change in aircraft interiors versus revolutionary. Um, so what we're seeing in, of course, the economy class seating um, is – Fewer parts, for example, um, the slimline profile is, it would appear, there to stay, um, although there are some clever uh, cl- clever uh, innovations to try and make it just a little bit more comfortable for economy class passengers. Um, but in general, you're looking at uh, – just these iterative sort of changes, nothing in the way of revolutionary. But that's probably a good thing because it means that these companies that have been all doing a lot of talk for years are really locking down on their products and then really developing them and making them better incrementally year after year and we saw it at recaro and we saw it at the new seat makers as well on the scene we even uh saw this uh, there's a, a little company that came out of the blue last year called rebel arrow they ended up picking up a crystal cabin award for uh an uh, an economy class seat innovation that they uh, that they are looking to bring to market and it allows you the seat allows you to sort of um push the the seat bottom up a little bit so that you can have a semi-standing position in flight just to stretch your legs within your own seat oh that's brilliant yeah so i mean you know it adds it's a little bit of complexity and there's going to be airlines of course that are going to say that's i I don't want anything that is a moving part you know (laughs) because we want to keep it as as kind of cheap and cheerful as possible but there may be some airlines where this, uh, you know, this would make sense, and airlines that are willing to take a chance on really increasing the comfort for passengers in economy. Because again, as as we say so many times, these seats are getting they're getting uh, they're not as wide as they used to be on many of these wide body aircraft. And truly, anything that you can do to kind of give more options and, and a little bit more in the way of uh, comfort to the passenger in economy is, is is the way to go. So yeah, so iterative changes, um, uh, but it, it does seem like. That they're really locking down into the kind of slim seat design for aircraft. And very much so, we saw uh, evolutionary as well in premium. Um, you know, there's lots of bells and whistles out there that are being touted for the future in terms of um, uh, wirelessly charging your device, for example, um, in, in your seat. Um controlling the different heat uh, in different compartments so you could have maybe more warmth at your feet than you would be having say at your seat bottom which I think is kind of interesting and of course totally being able to control a vast array of lead lights within the seating suite uh, to really kind of change your mood uh, throughout the experience and, and essentially not being reliant on the mood lighting that is dictated by whatever the airline has chosen for the cabin but having a lot more control over your own living space in premium so it's kind of all all in play and it's all coming, but we are at that point in terms of premium class that if it's business, uh, there's now a, considered a standard that it has to be a full flat seat. So that's been acknowledged by the airlines that it has to be a full flat seat. And increasingly, the push is for direct aisle access as well. And so that's what you're seeing on the show floor. And then you're just seeing the, these kind of evolutionary changes. So, but it was good. It was It was a really, it was a great show to attend. And I have to say, I was happy that there wasn't any huge you know claims made at the show or you know huge bombastic sort of or or ridiculous press releases it looks like people are coming down to earth a little bit and now going to make good on some of the claims that they've been making for all of these years so it was good it was fun um have you ever attended aircraft interiors it seems like that would be a natural show for you
2: I haven't been uh, uh, so far. Um, the, the point I was going to raise with you um, mm-hmm. with reference to, to what you saw there was that in terms of the, the patent landscape at the moment, mm. what I'm seeing is uh, what, I'm, what I call the squeeze where you know everything that isn't the passenger cabin, i.e. the, the seating area, is kind of getting squeezed so that that seating area can eke a little bit more out. So it's not so much are we going to see an extra deck underneath the floor in the cargo space, but it's more we're more likely to see an extra row or perhaps even two o- within the passenger cabin. Well, one of the implications of that is that um, the sort of patents that I'm seeing come through would include concepts to... Compress the, uh, the galley area and, and lavatories, for example. There was one I saw recently from Jamco for a, a folding sink in the uh, lavatory yeah. so that, you know, the, the space of that could be compressed. Uh, have you seen anything in, in the sort of the galley or, or lavatory areas that uh, would, would contribute towards a, a bigger space for seating? Uh.
0: Alas, I wish. It seems that they're all going into this much more modular uh, approach for the labs and that um, things are kind of tight, unfortunately. Um, it allows them to add more seats. But in terms of the galley innovation and in terms of what we might see kind of in the relatively near term, we did see uh, the Internet of Things coming to the g- aircraft galley and essentially slapping sensors on, you know, various different parts of, of the galley to alert a uh, crew um, if something is, is finished. If uh, you know the temperature of, of, of a meal, um, like all sorts of kind of like useful things that can um, improve uh, flight attendants' lives on board. And um, we also saw that extended to other cabin elements. So, for example, the suggestion that if you're uh, handing out portable IFE, that it be uh, tracked via sensor. Um, if you, so that it, fly, even having life jackets. Um, uh, connected uh, because apparently there's a lot of theft of life jackets, which I never knew until last week, <laughs> I, two weeks ago. I couldn't believe it. And they're like, a lot of people slip their hands under there and pull those life jackets out and take them home as some sort of momentum. And that flight attendants should be able to know immediately that life jacket is missing um, and that the IOT of the, of the cabin is coming. And it does include kind of all of these different elements of both the passenger experience and also what's going on in the galley. So it's really exciting time. So, I, I imagine you're going to be kept incredibly busy, fella.
2: <laughs> exact point, actually. Um, it's not just the big manufacturers that are filing patent applications. Mm. It's also airlines. Yeah. Um, so, for example, with reference to the tampering of underseat life jacket storage, well, uh, towards the end of last year, Air New Zealand filed a patent application to, to uh, effectively find a way to overcome that very problem. Mm. So, amongst uh, the airline applications, you know, we're seeing British Airways, Alaska, United, Air China. It's, it's it's very busy, as I said, with with airlines as well as the conventional manufacturers. Now,
0: that is that's really exciting. Well, I think that we're kind of marching into this kind of. Brave New World, and uh, and it's it's wonderful to watch, and we'll definitely keep an eye on everything that you're doing over at Aeropatent because it's 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 pretty remarkable, just the speed at which you guys have grown, and I don't doubt uh, that uh, you're going to be very very busy in the in the coming years, Philip. So we'll be monitoring you clo- you closely, but unfortunately uh, we are rapidly coming to a close here. We want to thank our listeners, and remember you can find us online at runwaygirlnetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Girl Network activity on Twitter at at my girl and remember to use the Paxx hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. We got people all over the world now sharing their experiences and sharing stories about Paxx. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor Egate Solutions and I'd like to thank Philip for being our guest. Philip, where can listeners find you at?
2: Okay, so the Aeropatent website is uh, up and running and of course
1: on Twitter it's uh, twitter.com/aeropatent all one word. Philip, it's been a real pleasure uh Again, we're great followers of Aeropatent, and I really recommend that anybody with any interest in this industry do that as well. And we'll ask all of you to join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PAXX podcast.
0: Take care, everyone.